From the studios of EWTN, this is Open Line with today's host, Father Brian Mullady. In North America, call toll-free 1-833-288-EWTN. That's 1-833-288-3986. Outside North America, call 1-205-271-2985 or send an email to openline at EWTN.com. A tremendous Thursday to each and every one of you. Thanks so much for tuning in to EWTN's Open Line Thursday. Father Brian Mullady is in the house. If you've got a question, pick up the phone and give us a call at 833-288-EWTN. That's 833-288-3986. If you're outside the United States and Canada, we'd still love to hear from you. That number is one 201 Two nine eight five, and we'll even put you straight to the front of the line at one two zero five two seven one two nine eight five. You can always send us an email. That email address is openline at ewtn dot com. I'm Jack Williams coming to you live from the 2023 EWTN Catholic Radio Conference, the beautiful Hyatt Regency Hotel here in Hoover, Alabama. Um, all of the affiliates are gathered here. They're in a workshop now. I think you will hear the din of the herd moving shortly uh, as that uh, workshop winds up as they get ready for the next one. But we want to hear from you at 833-288-EWTN. Michael McCall producing the program. Your call screener is Matt Gubensky. And uh, Mr. McCall probably, actually Charles Beery, I think, is our celebrity social media maven today. So if you're watching us on YouTube or Facebook Live, you can type a question into the chat window and it may find us by the end of the program. And our host is he is every Thursday, Father Brian Mullady. How are you? Just fine, thank you. Um, we are talking about and equipping these good folks in Catholic Radio to evangelize, and you want to talk a little bit about Re- Revelation and evangelization today. Yes. Well, as you know, what makes the difference between uh, philosophy and theology, or better, ordinary human knowledge, is that ordinary human knowledge, which is capable to our reflection, can bring us many, many truths about the world. And one of those, which was discovered really by ancient philosophers, really without looking for it, was the existence of God. But then they wanted to go further. And they couldn't. Because there was no means in their uh, equipment to be able to go beyond to the spiritual uh, realm. So for many centuries, human beings wandered sort of in a certain sense of ignorance because they knew there was something that eluded them, but they didn't know what it was and they didn't know how to get there. Thanks be to God and the Christian religion and beginning, of course, with Judaism, where we have the old law promised to uh, beginning our own preparation, we had the ability then, through grace, for God to reveal certain truths about himself. The principal ones being that he's a trinity and that he uh, took flesh. And these truths are preparation uh, 
for the final revelation, which is after this life, which we call the beatific vision. Now, there are two sources for this, and I, I wanted to talk about this today for several reasons, one of which is I got all kinds of questions about this, and I wanted to have a systematic, brief presentation of it. Revelation is the Word of God. Christ is the prime revealer and the prime revelation, according to Vatican II, and Vatican I also, by the way. But the means by which we experience these truths are twofold. First, we have the Word of God spoken, to which we give the name tradition. Yesterday, we had an example of both of these actually in the Feast of St. Luke because he was a person who revealed, experienced the preaching of Paul. He was Paul's companion on the journey to you know, teach the truth to the world. But in addition to this, we have the Word of God written which is the result of a special inspiration of the Holy Spirit, which we call Scripture. Now, Luke also is a representation of that, as you know, because he's the author of one of the four Gospels. And Luke did a lot of research. He talked to, he was not a Jew in the classic sense, and he uh, basically interviewed the people who were connected with Christ's life, one of whom, for example, is Our Lady, because Our Lady's testimony, for example, to Christ's uh, birth figures prominently in the Gospel according to St. Luke. And the Luke also testifies, because he was a part of it all, to the evangelization of the Church, in which the Word of God is spoken first begins in Acts, and then, of course, it ends basically with Paul in Rome. But tradition tells us that Luke wrote down Paul's reflections. And that's the gospel according to St. Luke. So we have scripture and tradition. There was a long debate about which was more important. Obviously, tradition is first because the preaching comes before the writing. And then, of course, though, Scripture has a pride of place because it's a special revelation given to the evangelist about what the truth is concerning what people were speaking. Interpreting that as its servant, not its cause, is what we call the magisterium. Now, the magisterium includes, as far as teaching is concerned, the bishops and the pope. They have the responsibility to interpret and to define what is authentic preaching and what truly is our inspired books of the Bible. The books of the Bible didn't fall out of heaven, already composes the King James Version. They were developed from the preaching of the church. 
So Matthew, of course, is for the Jewish mission. Luke was the companion of Paul, and Mark was the companion of Peter. And then you have Paul, who himself was a very powerful preacher of the message. The manner of believing in this revealed truths are up to the laity, but not to teach as such. So the magisterium refers to the teaching office of the church, which is based in scripture and tradition, and through which we enter into what we can know on this earth of revelation. Because that's the case, the magisterium doesn't change tradition or change scripture. Uh, it doesn't it defines it, but it doesn't define it in the sense of being its author. Its author is Christ. It rather defines what we've always taught about Christ or what was in the mind of the apostles, whether they spoke this truth or whether they taught this truth in writing. It's what their mind was. It derives at their mind. And unfortunately, some people have made comments about the magisterium because it does change, that this change could mean that we can contradict what was taught already before. Like before there were seven sacraments, now there's only two. It can't do that. It's its servant. And as a servant, it has to merely consult. Now, of course, there are specialized consultants. The Pope has the ability to consult this. But he's, he's formed by it, too. He doesn't make revelations. <laughs> we, don't, we don't believe in progressive revelation. We don't believe the Pope woke up today and decided that our, our, our religion would change. It's rather what's called homogeneous development. Namely, it works on what was already revealed and defined like a flower does on the seed it came from, not into a, an animal. So we have to participate in this uh, revealed truth in order to be saved, and we do this through scripture and tradition as served by the magisterium. It's EWTN's Open Line Thursday with Father Brian Mullady. This is Open Line on the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. If you have a question, call 1-833-288-EWTN. That's 1-833-288-3986. Outside North America, call one 205 271-2985 or send us an email to openline at EWTN.com Again, I'm coming to you live from the EWTN Catholic Radio Conference 2023 edition here in Hoover, Alabama. All the uh, those great, wonderful AMFM affiliates across the country uh, joining for some professional development and fellowship. Uh, but we would love to hear from you on this uh, Thursday edition of Open Line. Pick up the phone and give us a call at 833-288-EWTN. That's 833-288-3986. Um, 
we've got an email from Dwight, Father, and he says, well, actually, let's go to the, we have a YouTube question. John's watching us on YouTube, and he says, how can we know that the resurrection actually happened and that the Bible is actually divine revelation? Many religions claim to have the truth. Maybe everybody's wrong. Uh, well, that's true. It could be the, could be the case. But we know it because it corresponds to reality. Uh, the fact that original sin exists, I've always said there's no doctrine in which there's a more evident <laughs> reality in everyday life than original sin. In other words, we're not what we should be. And so that, obviously, there's uh, sensual evidence for that even though why we're not the way we should be is something that demands, again, truth being revealed to us. Secondly, you've got to remember the revelation depends on faith. And faith uh, is the essence of things unseen, the substance of things to be hoped for. In faith, unlike most human knowledge, our will tells us we have to ascend to this. Now, it's not stupid, this ascent. And it's not unreasonable. In fact, there are what they call motives for credibility. There are things that make us fairly certain that this is true. But, you know, there were many people who witnessed Christ's miracles who didn't believe. You would think that the witness of these miracles would have convinced them, but it didn't. And even Judas, one of the Lord's companions, was with him for several years, and he really didn't believe either. So we have to have a change wrought by God's grace, because always God is always first in this, in our wills, in ourselves, in which we will to assent to truths, that aren't completely evident to us. So, how do we know that our religion is true? Well, you have to test it against the others. What sort of fruits has it produced? And uh, Christianity, and even Catholicism more specifically, has in the past certainly produced great movements uh, to help humanity, and not only to help humanity, but to enable us to experience truths beyond sensual definition. And this in itself should help us to assent to the fact that these teachings are true. You know, we have a billion-person church now. I mean, I know the church is in struggle at the moment, as an old brother I knew in Europe used to say, it's in its pruning time, <laughs> like a tree. <laughs> and the tree needs to be pruned in order to grow stronger. Well, that's a very deep, faithful way to look at the whole thing. And so we have a billion-person church. We probably have the most effective uh philanthropic organization in the world. I mean, unfortunately, when the sisters lost many of the hospitals, a lot of that changed, or the Catholic school system. But 
we have the ability to have that again if people will, you know, return to the practice of our religion. And even such a group like the Missionaries of Charity, you know, considering their size, or the Little Sisters of the Poor, they're another group that have maybe 3,000 sisters throughout the world, and they do nothing but good works. So much was this the case that in the famous Masonic Revolution in Mexico, where they were killing Catholics and they forbid the wearing of the religious habit and all that, the Daughters of Charity at the time, who wore the crown, you know, the wings, they refused to work in the hospitals if they couldn't wear their habits. So the government caved in <laughs> in front of them. And uh, because they were such a universal sign of charity, they allowed them the special privilege. So our consecration is religious, and our family structure, which admittedly, again, is in flux at the moment, but it's not in flux as far as the theory should be concerned. And many of these other things, these work for nothing but good. And that in itself should help us to see how wonderful and deep Catholicism actually is. 833-288-EWTN is our toll-free number, 833-288-3986. Next up is Carl in the great state of Michigan, listening on Ave Maria Radio today. Um, Carl, you are on with Father Brian Mullady. Hey, Father. How you doing today? Okay. All right, listen, here's my question. Uh, in, in lieu of our priest, sometimes he's away, and we have Mass every Sunday, and we always have uh, a couple of uh, uh, deacons and everything. And during the week, he has Mass three times a week, but sometimes he's not there, and he allows a civilian to uh, conduct a, uh, uh, like a prayer service and communion. And right. my thought is that that is not, that's not licit. And I'm wondering what to do about this. I uh, well, it have, is licit. Uh, In the absence of a priest, when there's a, a need, a person, especially a deacon, because he's obviously in orders too, can conduct a communion service. But that's only in the absence of a priest, the ability to have a priest. And that was based because of the clergy shortage. So, um, obviously there's no consecration, there's no mass. But the person can, for those who wish to go to communion, offer them communion. And they usually have a few read the readings beforehand. And the deacon, especially if it's a deacon, may even say uh, some kind of homily or something. But it is listed. It's one of the options. Thanks, Carl. We appreciate the phone call. That frees up a line for you at 833-288-EWTN. That's 833-288-3986. Pick up the phone and give us a call. Dwight writes in, is it possible that suffering on earth can shorten or replace time in purgatory after death? Uh, yes. It's not only possible, it's probable. <laughs> 
it's usual. Uh, for those who don't suffer their purgatory, though, on earth, though, that's why there is a state after death, also, which is also purgatory. The only difference is, and there's a big difference between the two, is that the purgatory we experience on earth, we participate in. So our wills can actively pursue you know, experiencing the suffering of our life in order that we might uh, have temporal punishment. 833-288-EWTN. That's our toll-free number. A couple of open lines for you and plenty of time for your calls at 833-288-3986. Ron says, how does it work to receive Jesus within you? What about the Holy Spirit? Uh, I don't think I understand the question. You get both. That's I think that's the the distinction that needs to be drawn with for him. Yeah, I mean, uh, you receive the Holy Trinity in your heart, and that includes the Holy Spirit and the Father. We attribute the sanctification of our inner souls to the Holy Spirit. But uh, it's, it's only because the Holy Spirit is experienced by us as love in the Trinity. But uh, basically, all three of the persons participate within us. So, yeah. 833-288-EWTN. That's 833-288-3986. Um, Lee asks, does society influence religion? What is the Catholic teaching on this? Well, we live in a society, obviously, and uh, we can't just pretend like we're, we don't live in a society or um, we live in some kind of hermitage apart from everyone and everything. So society influences what we do it shouldn't influence it negatively. Unfortunately, we've given in a lot at the moment in our church to what the secular society wants, and the secular society basically wants horrendous things for the most part that are inhuman. Now, of course, the opposite should be the case. The church should influence society by showing uh, people in society what's possible to them if they could just, uh, even in reason, open themselves to truths that are taught by, by reason alone. 833-288-EWTN. That's our toll-free number. It is a free phone call anywhere in North America. 833 Excuse me, straight ahead, we're going to talk to Kevin in Columbus, Ohio, Chris in Illinois, and we've got plenty of time for your phone calls and a couple of open lines for you at 833-288-3986. That's 833-288-EWTN. If you're outside the United States and Canada, we'd still love to hear from you. That number is one 205 271 2985 and we will even put you straight to the front of the line if you give us a call at 1 205 271 
1-800-242-2985. And you can always send us an email. That email address is openline at EWTN.com. That's openline, all one word, at EWTN.com. It's EWTN's Open Line Thursday with Dominican father Brian Mullady. This is Open Line on the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. 833-288-EWTN. That's our toll-free number. It is a free telephone call anywhere in North America. 833-288-3986. Listen, if you are listening on an AM or FM radio station, be sure to support that local affiliate. They need your help. And if you do not have an AM or FM affiliate station in your area, maybe you are being called by our Lord to play a role in making that happen. If that's the case, simply send an email to Steve, and the address is radio at EWTN.com. I just put attention to Steve at radio at EWTN.com, and we will guide you down that path. Next up is Kevin. He is a first-time caller in Columbus, Ohio listening on St. Gabriel Radio. Kevin, you are on with Father Brian Mullady. Hi, uh, thanks for taking my call. Um, my question might be a quick one. Um, I was wondering, when I read the scriptures and I see, uh, I get to the book of Ecclesiasticus, you know, the book of Sirach, I see at the beginning of the text um, that there's a prologue that's not numbered along with the main body of the text. And I was wondering, uh, is that prologue considered inspired scripture as well? And if if not, like, what level of authority does it have? Uh, I'm not familiar with what you're speaking about. I've just always read the book. I wasn't aware there was a prologue. Oh, okay. Uh, Sorry, then. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I assume if it's in the Bible that it's considered inspired. I would assume so, too. Kevin, that might be a great question, and Michael McCall, our producer extraordinaire, will make a note of this. And if there's any chance, you can call back on a Wednesday when we have our very own Scripture scholar, Father Mitch Pacwa, in the house. He might have a better uh, chance at answering that particular question, but we appreciate your call today. 833-288-EWTN. That's our toll-free number, 833-288-3986. Lulu is watching us on YouTube today, and she says, Father, during Mass, I have seen the first communion kids get blessings from the extraordinary ministers and not the priest. I heard this is not okay. Why not? Uh, again, I'm not familiar with what you're speaking of. I think she's talking about uh, lay persons giving blessings in a communion line as opposed to the priest. Oh, I see. Um, uh, well, they do that because, as you know, now when you can't go to communion, uh, people come up and they don't want them to feel like they're not getting something for their money, in a sense, you could say. So everybody gets a blessing. And it, it usually that's the Eucharistic ministers that give it, whether they're ordained or not. Now, uh, I think it's a, a terrible practice myself because you're going to get a blessing in like five minutes anyway. 
But I don't think it's a, a wrong thing or an evil thing or something like that. So um, it can stand. But I think it's uh, not exactly, well, I guess I would say intelligent. <laughs> Once again, Jack Williams here coming to you live from the EWTN Catholic Radio Conference 2023 edition. Father Brian Mullady is in beautiful Portland, Oregon today, joining us for Open Line Thursday. Daniel writes in, and actually let me give you those phone numbers one more time, 833-288-EWTN. That's a free phone call anywhere in the United States and Canada. 833-288-3986. Give us a phone call. Um, Daniel writes in, if God knows all, then how is it true that we have free will? Well, God knows what we're going to do, but that doesn't mean to say he forces it to do it, us to do it. I mean, I can know, let's say I'm a teacher and I can know this student normally doesn't study and probably is going to flunk the examination, but I don't will that to be the case. They will that. That's their freedom. Just because I have knowledge of what they're going to decide doesn't mean that they don't have a, a choice about it. So the, the foreknowledge of God is not any kind of judgment about our freedom in carrying it out. It simply knows means that he knows what we're going to choose. 833-288-EWTN, that's our toll-free number, 833-288-3986. Anita says, what does the Catholic Church believe regarding the relationship between Scripture and tradition? You talked a little bit about this at the beginning of the program. That's right. They're equal of equal weight. They're equally the source of our understanding of revelation. One is the Word of God written, that's Scripture, the other is the word of God spoken, that's tradition. And they both are equally sources of our understanding of the content of faith. So you can't play one off against another. It's impossible. Um, in fact, and in fact, what came first was uh, tradition because the preaching of the apostles preceded people writing down what they preached. Obviously, they had to have something that they'd said in order for the gospel or scripture writers to take it down. And remember, that's our source also for the life of Christ and for you know his infancy and all those things. So people like Luke did a lot of research on things they weren't present for, but it's it's com commonly felt by more traditional scripture scholars that um, Matthew used St. Joseph because the Jews did not accept the testimony of women, and he was writing with the Jewish mission. In a compatible sense, the Gentiles did accept the testimony of women, and so when Luke wrote down his expression of the birth of Christ, he writes Mary's reaction. So the beautiful thing is that we have both from two different points of view, and it helps us to understand the whole. 
but that's the that's the teaching both are necessary 833-288-EWTN that's our toll free number it is a free telephone call anywhere in North America 833-288-3986 Christina is a first time caller in Houston, Texas listening on Sirius XM channel 130 Christina you're on with Father Brian Malady Hello, Father. Thanks for taking my call. Um, I just had a question about spiritual growth, and have you ever struggled with um, kind of like spiritual warfare during it, and how do you deal with it? Oh, yes. The spiritual warfare is caused by the fact that in spiritual growth, we're asked to lose our egos. Most of us find that exceedingly unpleasant and painful. And so the way we deal with it is we have to allow the Lord to help us to root out our faults and seek to grow in, our, in the virtues that are our lot in life, our state in life. In ordinary, in other words, ordinary Christian living is the way you deal with it. And it's not a big secret, but by the same token, it is painful. And oftentimes people are put off from seeking to grow in the spiritual life because it is so painful. I think for many people it's very painful to admit they have an ego. They usually want to, you know, give the responsibility to someone else. And then secondly, to deal with what it means to finally begin to lose your ego for the sake of the good of another. 833-288-EWTN. That's our toll-free number, 833-288-3986. Still plenty of time for your phone calls uh, on this open line Thursday. Anna writes in, how should I respond to someone who says that abortion is okay because we don't know if the baby is a person? Well, first of all, we have to presume it's a person because it doesn't become governing non-person status to person status because that would mean it would have to be a different being uh, once it's born. And that's, you know, it's like saying, well, a rose becomes an orange. <laughs> no. Uh, what happens is that what's in miniature and infant and finite in character is growing and we presume it's a person already because the soul is spiritual. And uh, we define a person as an individual substance of rational nature. Well, it's certainly an individual substance. And it certainly has a rational nature because it doesn't sort of magically get the intellect and will when it falls out of the womb. Those are a part of it, although not developed. In other words, they're like the seed in the, the plant again. So uh, the way we respond to it is by saying that it may not look like a person and it may not act like a person, but it is ontologically a person. Now, I would say today, 
because of what we know from medicine that there's much more chance that it is a person already. And you can see that in the fact, for example, that, well, they say that, I don't know because I never carried a child, <laughs> but they say there's already a rapport between the mother and the baby in the womb and that the baby can actually sense whether it's wanted or not, for one thing, and also it has implications on the baby's emotional development, the mother's attitude, even when the baby's in the womb and not yet born. And there are all kinds of uh, interesting uh, applications of this regarding um, how babies relate to their environment even though they, they obviously don't have a developed in the fullest sense of the word consciousness and intellect and will they still have some perception of what's going on with them so we say it's a person because it has a spiritual soul, an intellect and will, a rational nature, and it's certainly an individual substance that doesn't become another one. 833-288-EWTN, that's our toll-free number, 833-288-3986. Next stop is the great state of Louisiana. Mary is listening on Catholic Community Radio today. Mary, you are on with Father Brian Mullady. Hi, Father. Thank you for taking my call. I've been wondering about reading the Bible every day. We get indulgences. But if we don't read the Bible, if we take it from audio, like a YouTube or on a TV show, anything that's not from the Bible, but we're still listening to the verses and studying them, is that the same indulgence? Well, they're all from the Bible. I mean, they're not reading a cookbook to you. <laughs> uh, yes, I, I well, and I wasn't aware that we got an indulgence, uh, at least a specific one from reading the Bible every day. Um, we certainly got it from saying the rosary and from Mass and Communion, so I would assume we probably do. And if, again, frankly, this is a question I never really thought of, because I read the Bible because I like reading the Bible. <laughs> you know, I want to experience the Word of God. But uh, I, I think you're confusing the word reading with something that's literally reading a book. It means, just because someone reads the book to you, it's the same book and the same truths and the same text. And a similar thing would be true of any kind of media experience of the scripture. So the answer to your question would be yes. It's the same. 833-288-EWTN. Still time for your calls at 833-288-3986. Sabrina is in Louisville, Kentucky listening on Sirius XM Channel 130. Sabrina, thanks for holding. You're on with Father Brian Mullady. Good afternoon, Father. Good afternoon. I'm calling 
I'm calling because I, have a, I work at a Christian church, but it's not Catholic. And I know the Catholics don't believe in the rapture, but I have a couple ladies that I work with that are really pushing it on some of the other Catholic ladies there. What can I use to defend against it? Well, you can use the history of the rapture, which uh, I'm, I'm not aware of its specific nature. The person who does the radio show ahead of me knows a lot about those Protestant problems. But uh, the rapture, as far as I understand it, is a result of a early American, let's say the 1830s, much like Mormonism, revelation given to a man who proclaimed that the world would end on a certain day and all the members of the cult, so to speak, had to go to this certain place and wait for the end of the world. Well, it didn't happen. <laughs> so rather than be convicted of error, he said, well, what we have is two things. Where before, uh, you know, the actual experience of the rapture, we'll be, I, I forget how many years it is, it might be 100 years or something, but all the faithful will be caught up to this strange place then the world will be destroyed, and then they'll be reintroduced into the world, and then that'll be the time when the thing actually occurs. Because then you see he didn't have to mention a specific day or a specific place. But I, I don't quite understand how any Catholic could be taken in by this rapture business. Uh, it's all uh, comes out of the fantasy of one man. 833-288-EWTN. That's 833-288-3986. Um, Betsy is a first-time caller in Dearborn, Michigan, listening on Ave Maria Radio. Betsy, you're on with Father Brian Malady. Hello. I have some relatives who are Seventh-day Adventists, and they are really hung up on the Catholic Church having changed the Sabbath. And I don't know how to succinctly and eloquently respond to that? Well, the Christians changed the Sabbath. Uh, we didn't just sit down one day and decide to celebrate it on Sunday uh, as a matter of an act of a church. The Christians began to celebrate the Sabbath at one point on Saturday, Sunday because it was the day of the Lord's resurrection. For a time... You know, they frequented the synagogue, and they also frequented the temple, and they just corresponded to the liturgy there. But eventually they wanted something more connected with our Lord, and so instead of Saturday, they moved to Sunday. It doesn't really matter when the Holy Day of the Lord is, as long as it's once a week. And uh, the emphasis changed from when the Lord rested in the seventh day of creation to our own rest, which is found in the resurrection of the dead, which occurs according to the scriptures on a Sunday, three days after Christ died. So that was, it's lost in the mists of history what exact instant that occurred on. Eventually they did, of course, have a fight about it. <laughs> 
And so they just determined it would be on Sunday. But again, the Seventh-day Adventists are another one of those early American religions, like the Jehovah's Witnesses, like the Rapture people, like the Mormons, that all come out of a certain experience in uh, usually somewhere like New York, northern New York. Uh, it's around the same time in our history where there were these strange religious movements that were being fostered. So, 833-288-EWTN, that's our toll-free number, 833-288-3986. Nathaniel wants to know, what is faith and how do we know it has not been defiled by time? And then he's got a follow-up that I'll ask after you answer that one. Well, faith is the substance of things unseen, the essence of things to be hoped for. Faith is the virtue that's present in us in which our intellect moves our will to assent to a truth that isn't fully and completely evident to us. And uh, we need this because, obviously, uh, especially the truths regarding the revelation of God in which we're prepared to see him in the face are things that we can't arrive at on our own, that we need help uh, knowing, better to say. Um, so uh, that's how do we know that our faith is to correct? Well, again, you have to test it against the experience of the world and what good it's brought to our world. And, of course, whether it corresponds to the scripture and to the motives of credibility. Does Christ, for example, fulfill the prophecies? Well, yes, he does. And rather eloquently, too. So, that's the point. 833-288-EWTN. That's our toll-free number. Valerie used that number. She's a first-time caller in Ormond Beach, Florida. Listening on Sirius XM Channel 130. Valerie, what's your question today for Father Milady? Hello there. Thank you for taking my call. I was just calling to see what uh, priests are allowed to speak in terms of politics from the pulpit, and um, what, especially if it's in line with church teaching. Well, we're encouraged not to make political statements. We're not encouraged, uh, we're not forbidden to talk about the natural law and what its fruits might be of either a given moral or political question. But, for example, I might talk about the merits of a monarchy or a democracy or an oligarchy from the pulpit, but then I couldn't say, but vote for this person, <laughs> or this is the king, or something like that. I can't make judgments about people. But about principles, we're not forbidden to do that. And uh, the same would be true of morals. So we're allowed to make statements about natural or revealed. In Christianity, about the revealed law too. But we can't be specific enough to recommend this or that person uh, as the proper political... Um, or religious authority uh, 
regarding a particular question that's debated. 833-288-EWTN. That's our toll-free number, 833-288-3986. We have an email here um, from an anonymous emailer, it looks like. Um, Wants to know, why is communion in the Catholic Church exclusively restricted to members of the faith and not open to anyone wishing to receive communion? Communion is restricted in the Catholic Church because it's the ultimate act of membership, for one thing, and secondly, because it's the ultimate act of faith and union with God, because we believe that communion is God himself. In other words, the host is divine. We worship the host with the same honor that we give to God himself alone. That's why in the Catholic Church we genuflect before what looks like and tastes like a piece of bread, but is not a piece of bread. It is the body of Christ. So it's the last act of union with the church, and therefore it demands baptism and it demands faith and all those things. And so it's restricted because... the a person without baptism or a person baptized in another religion that doesn't have faith uh, in what we believe uh, would, well, they wouldn't want to go to communion because they don't believe in it. Well, Father Ken in New Hampshire is not going to make it on the the, uh, air today, but he said that he's reading your book, Grace Explained, and he says it is spectacular. Oh, thanks. (laughs) Would you leave us with a blessing? May the blessing of Almighty God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, be sent upon you and remain with you forever. Amen. Amen. On behalf of our host, Father Brian Malady, our producer, Michael McCall, call screener Matt Kubensky, and our celebrity social media maven today, Mr. Charles Beery. I'm Jack Williams. Thanks to Tom Price, producing on site here at the 2023 EWTN Catholic Radio Conference. Back at it tomorrow with Colin Donovan. Until we get together then, God bless. Amen.